0: Petri Dish is a product of Petri Dish Media, all rights reserved. Petri Dish is a science comedy podcast and should not be used as medical advice. Do not get medical advice from a podcast. And therefore, as a free man, I take pride in the words
1: Ich bin ein Science! Science! Science!
0: I know the human being. And Science! Science! just peaceful. This, without finding.
1: This episode is presented by Wild CBD. Wild produces the best tasting edibles on the market, using real fruit and all natural flavoring. With flavors inspired by the Pacific Northwest, high quality ingredients, real fruit, and consistent dosing. Wilde has become one of the leading cannabis edible producers in the country. Wilde's new CBD line currently offers real fruit infused gummies in blackberry, huckleberry, lemon, and raspberry, and CBD infused sparkling water in raspberry, lemon, blackberry, and blood orange. Each gummy is dosed with 25 milligrams of CBD and can be purchased in a bottle of 10 or 20. Wild CBD is offering our listeners 30% off their next purchase from wildcbd.com by using the promo code POD. That's wildcbd.com, W-Y-L-D-C-B-D.com, using the code POD, P-O-D, for 30% off your next purchase. Wild CBD products are intended only for use by individuals aged 18 and older. Wild CBD products should only be consumed as directed on the label and should not be used if you are pregnant or breastfeeding. All wild CBD products are made with ingredients containing 0% THC. Consult with a health professional prior to using wild CBD in combination with any medications or other dietary supplements. Hey guys, welcome to Petri Dish, I'm Nathan. I'm Sean. This episode, we, we, we thought of on a whim. And yet it's become the episode I've most anticipated since my machine interface, which no one fucking listened to. <laughs> yeah. We're going to talk about fucking
0: cheese. Yeah, and in fact, there was so much cheese shit that it is going to be two episodes, which is fucking crazy. I can't believe it. You know, I applied to
1: be a cheesemonger at Italy. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. I was so inexperienced with cheese that they made me make fresh pasta. <laughs> which, yeah. no offense to chefs, turns out to be an easier job <laughs> than be a cheesemonger, because there's like fucking thousands of types of... Actually, I think kind of. Like, it depends on how you categorize it. But there's a fuck ton types of cheeses. Yeah. There's all sorts of ways that cheeses can turn this, that, or the other. Mm-hmm. It's amazing the diversity there. I mean, honestly, the diversity... Like, because all of it's made with milk. But, like, the diversity mirrors the diversity of biomes all over the world, wherever cheese is made. Also, you know... At, It was a good thing they didn't hire me because I thought I loved cheese and I do love a lot of cheeses, but then I had some cave age stuff that tasted so much like an old foot, (laughs) just like that I smelled from a distance, was in my mouth for two days afterwards, was in my sweat afterwards. Cheese is an incredible food is what I'm trying to say. And it's good that I wasn't a cheese
0: monster. And sometimes it goes too far. It goes too far. So we've probably been making cheese ever since we've had a reliable source of milk. Which okay. is the whole time, right? Because we've been sucking milk out of each other for <laughs> forever. Interestingly, human milk is relatively low in protein. Oh, so it's not a, it's not good then. For... It's not a very good cheese milk.
1: Oh fuck.
0: Yeah, anyway. I don't know. I think we I... evolved for that because probably warring tribes used to just milk <laughs> yeah. each other. Yeah, it, was. <laughs> it was becoming a problem. We yeah. selected for low cheese Probably all the way back to Australopithecus. <laughs> That's probably how Homo habilis died out. It's Homo erectus <laughs> yeah. sucking the milk out yeah. of him. <laughs> Give me that cheese milk. Um, early on, that probably was goat milk because goat milk was probably one of the first ruminants that we domesticated. Cool. And, you know, that was way back like 10,000 years ago. And we have seen some evidence of cheesemaking in like the Near East, Middle East. Definitely we know about traditions in South Asia, North Africa, Europe, right? And in 1600 BCE, we actually even saw cheesemaking in China. Okay, so this blew my mind. I
1: didn't read the article, so my mind stopped being blown immediately after reading that sentence. But why did they stop?
0: So... Oh, I think we're about to get political, but well, technically the site where they found this was in sort of like the Uyghur areas. Of oh, so like... Oh, I see. <laughs> so okay. kind of different.
1: I'm just gonna say it. So it's basically like a Turkic region that wasn't really part of China until pretty recently.
0: Yeah. Well, also depending on how political you want to get, Tibet has a very long cheese making tradition.
1: Okay, which also makes sense because they also were part of. Okay, so what I'm hearing, I'm gonna, I'm gonna de China this code <laughs> is basically China, maybe, <laughs> but, like, but like the broader Himalayan Indo subcontinent. And then like Turkic Central Asia stretching into the greater Middle East, right? Which just makes a lot of sense because those regions have a lot of cultural continuity.
0: It's really once you get over the Gobi Desert is when you start humping your way into rice country, right? (laughs) Yeah. 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 Well, that's true. And I will say that I think that the cheese traditions might have actually been slightly different paths in that I think the Tibetan one is kind of like yak milk and stuff like that. That's cool. And I think that there's a much more of kind of like a nomadic you know, potentially pastoralist kind of tradition. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, outside of Tibet. And so, dude, it's gonna blow my fucking mind if someone like contacts
1: you or tweets at you and is like, "I was offended by this." <laughs> um, not That'd because, be not because it couldn't be offensive to a person. <laughs> <laughs> it just, <laughs> I, I'll just be surprised.
0: Yeah, well, it's a roll of the die. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah. I, I think, you know, based on listenership numbers and how many of them are in like uh, China. Yeah. I don't think we're very likely to offend anybody. But anyway, cheese <laughs> making. In kind of a popular myth telling of the origin of cheese making, it's like, oh, you have some cheese, it was in a like goat stomach or something the like that. The cheese was in the sp- Or sorry, sorry, the milk was oh, in the yeah. goat stomach okay, yeah. while they were like riding around the Middle East or something like that. Okay, right? okay. And just over time the milk reacted with the rennet in the goat stomach. And then that kind of turned into cheese. So I didn't know goats stored milk in their stomach. Oh, you mean you kill the goat. <laughs> You take the stomach, yes. and you serve the milk in the stomach. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so, gross. <laughs> so, like, I would uh, never do that. Animal guts were used as containers for a very long time. Like so, sausage. <laughs> yeah. You know, we still do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, you know, ruminant stomachs, you could use that to store liquids. Okay, like that, milk. That, that makes sense.
1: It's lined, right, right? That makes perfect sense.
0: So, enzymes in the gut could have basically turned that milk... Into curds and whey. You know what's curdling is how dumb I feel. The longer we get away from me saying that, the dumber <laughs> I'm feeling. I'm really curdling. <laughs> well, okay, so so then the thing is though, that myth is entirely possible. Okay. We don't know if that's how it happened. It right. could have happened that it's way. It's apocryphal. Yes. But at the same time It's like um
1: it's like the Gospel of Tom. Or like, like, wow, um, did Tom have a gospel? <laughs> yeah, isn't there like one of like the Dead Sea Scrolls? It's like the oh, Dead Sea Scrolls sure. or the larger testaments. Which
0: are actually just apocryphal. <laughs> the whole thing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, just, Josephus didn't actually talk about them,
0: right? It's like, it takes hundreds of years to get any of the record of it. So, there's a lot of things that can make milk curdle besides the enzymes in a ruminant gut. Okay?
1: I, I want to do a quick
0: disclaimer. Uh, I didn't, and me, Nathan, didn't say any of that. Sean impersonated me. What? And then said this very offensive thing about sound... religion interestingly different (laughs) that's what gives us pod juice i think i think you can distinguish our voices (laughs) you know i didn't do those things um anyway there's a lot of things that can cause milk to curdle besides being in like a sheep gut okay okay like what so for example bacteria
1: can eat
0: the lactose in milk and turn it into lactic acid and acid can cause milk to curdle okay cool and also you could add fruit juice and a lot of fruit juice is acidic like lemon juice is acidic right and that could also cause the milk to curdle. So okay, it, it could have curdled from other reasons besides being in a ruminant gut. Okay, so there's an apocryphal story,
1: but hypothetically, once you start getting people domesticating animals, it was a matter of
0: time. Right, especially the milk part of it. Ruminant, And yeah. milk was a really big deal, right, because you don't have to kill the animal to get food out of them. Right. Right. And so dairying, all of the different processes to turn milk into different kinds of foodstuffs... Big deal. ...was a really huge deal because you could, you know precious livestock, you could keep them living and mating and producing more livestock without ever having to kill them if you didn't need to.
1: Do you think there's like a certain point in culinary history where like East Asia, like went from pigs and shit into like, other type? I was gonna say there's not much a culture of those kind of milk bearing ruminants, right? But like, I think I may be wrong about that. I know, for example, with like rice is a more recent thing than you would immediately think. Millet was a more common domesticated crop in China for a long time, or at least in Northeast China. Do you think that's the case with like domesticated animals? Like, did they have a lot of milk, and then like at a certain point they're like, "Eh, fuck that. I like pigs
0: better." That's a good question because I know in Southeast Asia they had like water buffalo, and stuff right? Like that. But right. I'm not so sure about East Asia, Japan, yeah. Korea. Right? You know, the kind of the yeah. more north. It's interesting because Japan
1: and Korea, I really don't know. But China is like one of those classic examples of nation building. we sure. like the Yangtze in South. those fucking guys are doing whatever the fuck they wanted. Yeah. If you want to learn more, buy uh, Total War Three Kingdoms. Nailed
0: it. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. I wish they were sponsoring us. Um, (laughs) We'll get them. Technically, I don't think that we've taken our break yet. Okay. Our our really early on intro break. Okay, cool. So let's, uh, oh, really? Wow. Whoopsie. I think we just went straight into the episode. We keep it in. Okay, so
1: let's uns, uns, uns. Oh, wait, wait. We're going to talk about cheese. Okay, Sean. It turns out the story of cheese starts with milk. No one knew. <laughs> <laughs> and milk, you've titled in the notes as a nano drink. Yeah. What does that mean?
0: Yeah. So a few years ago, when I was still getting my PhD, I was talking to a postdoctoral scholar in my lab named Sharon, an Indian dude. Very oh, nice. cool, cool. And he mentioned to me, just kind of offhand, that milk is a colloidal suspension of nanoparticles. Sexy. It was a weird way to start a conversation. But that's <laughs> how he that's how he started the conversation. He walked up to me. He was like, Milk is a colloidal suspension of nanoparticles. That sounds like you fucked him. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like he was in a bar. But after I thought about it a little bit and looked into it, that's totally accurate. Okay. So milk is actually First of all, milk is mostly water. Let's right. Let's get that out of the way. <laughs> but besides water, it's got a lot of fat in it and it's got a lot of protein in it. Delicious. It's got some lactose as a sugar. Ooh, okay. Got some vitamins in there, some minerals, cool. and everything. But one thing that milk has a lot of is calcium. Mm. Okay. And calcium is stored up in little nanoparticles. Cool. Also, fat, by the way, not very soluble in water, right? Okay. But milk, if you just leave milk out, it doesn't separate. The way that like oil and vinegar separates. How? Right. Mm. It's because those fats are in nano and microparticles. Nice. And so both the fat side of it and the calcium side of it are nano and microparticles. That's cool. So, you know, the fat part is really interesting. It's it's actually kind of important for the cheese and uh, story and everything like that. Well, tell me about it, stud. Well, so they're stored in things called fat globules. Nice. And basically So you, me. <laughs> it's like uh, really? uh, anyway the, the core of the fat globule yeah. globule is a lot of triglycerides and diglycerides cool. and so those are fattier than the things that make up like your lipid membranes okay because lipid membranes have the two little tails but then they also have the phosphate group on top so they're amphiphilic they have a water loving part and a hydrophobic part yeah that's how they can make the membranes yeah triglycerides are just fat So you have this core of like just fatty, fat, fat, fat. And then you have a membrane of the phospholipids. Yeah. And then you have a phospholipid bilayer from the cells in breast, the mammary glands that actually produce the fat. Okay. Because the fat has to come from somewhere. Right. It gets produced by cells and then secreted from those cells. Right. And so you have these particles that are kind of varying sizes. Yeah. Some of them are you know I would say maybe like the tenth the size of one of your cells yeah and then some of them are nanoparticles so they're like virus sized very small I'm embarrassed I missed a joke when you described the the the, the titty of it all
1: oh. I was gonna say I was gonna say what that's how milk's made and you're gonna you were gonna be like what are you talking about and I was gonna be like the magisterium told me that God puts milk in the titty and then the milk comes out <laughs> and and I just missed it why you, you, you speak so lucidly uh, why are you so hooked on the magisterium right now i read a bad review like two hours ago all right um, <laughs> of the magisterium
0: it was like <laughs> this magisterium is bad excellent yes um okay so then those are fat globules they're around there but the main part for cheese cheesemaking one of the big players are these things called casein micelles okay and so casein is a protein okay actually a family of like i think five proteins yeah not all mammals produce all five i think humans produce three, three it sounds of them. like a terrible osmosis jones joke about a ribosome
1: like company that's like case in my cells <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: and they make they make the outer protein coating of <laughs> of things
0: <laughs> great case in my cells <laughs> um so <laughs> you liked it? <laughs> yes, I did. Don't don't deny. I did like it. Anyway, so the proteins are called casein. Ooh. Okay. And four out of the five casein proteins like to bind to calcium phosphate. And that's really good because the amount of calcium that's in milk is way more than the amount that's actually that you can dissolve in water. Okay. So if you tried to just take that much calcium and dissolve it in water, it would kind of be a salt at the bottom. It wouldn't all dissolve. Right, right. So instead, what you need is these proteins. The proteins bind to the calcium. And then they basically, they kind of like to stick together. So they'll kind of stick together into these little clumps. Very sexy. And then the fifth casein is almost like a, it looks kind of like a hair or something like that. Gross. And it'll stick to the other casein jabronis kind of hanging out with the calcium. Okay. And it'll stick out little hairs at the surface of this kind of, like, glob. And what those hairs do is they keep other casein globs from kind of melding together. Oh, cool. So it keeps them from getting really big. Okay. Because if enough of them glob together, they'll get big enough that they can't stay in water anymore. Right. They'll get too heavy, and they'll just fall out of the water. Oh, interesting. Okay. So the little casein hairs are important for keeping them small, nano-sized. And so basically these casein micelles, they're called micelles because they're roughly spherical. Mm -hmm. And the fat globules are like these two things. They're one of the reasons why milk isn't see-through. Right. Uh, That's why it's kind of got this like cloudy appearance to it is because these guys are all floating around in there. Oh, that's cool. And, you know, so milk is mostly water. Different animal milks have different amounts of this stuff. So uh, we had already mentioned that human breast milk, for example, is like kind of oddly low on casein. Right. Cow milk definitely has more than human milk. Goat and sheep milk has more than cow milk. Okay. Whale milk is very, very high in fat. Oh. Uh, I got to read an article from the 1980s from the WHO. Some dude, like, analyzed a bunch of different animal milks and human milk and, like, figured out how much fat and shit was in there. Dude, whale cheese? (laughs) I'm paying thousands per (laughs) ounce. Like,
1: no questions asked. I want to try whale cheese. It's going to be a very fatty cheese. You know Elon Musk is already eating that.
0: (laughs) He's the second richest man in the world now. So, (laughs) one of the milks that we actually do make cheese out of, Mm -hmm. goat milk, the way that it's different from cow milk can actually have an impact on the cheese. Okay, because goat milk, for example, it usually has less lactose than yeah. cow milk. It has more of the protein. Okay, and it also has smaller fat globules. Cool. So with cow milk, the fat globules are big enough that when the cow milk comes out, if you sort of leave it for a little bit, the cream, which is fat heavy, rises to the surface. Cool. Okay, and so you can skim off the cream. Okay. And that's the leftover milk. Is called skimmed milk. Oh, I hate okay. that stuff. <laughs> so skimmed milk has less fat because you took off the cream layer. Mm, that's cool. And a lot of cheeses are made from skimmed milk and everything. Right. right. But goat milk, the fat globules are smaller, and so they don't actually rise to the top as easily. Oh. More of them stay kind of within the milk portion. It's harder to make goat cream. And so that means that their cheeses tend to have more fat in them. Yeah. Because the fat just kind of stays in with the milk when you make the cheese. Can I uh, ask
1: you uh, what might be a stupid question? Sure. Why is milk so uh, Eurocentric? Let me rephrase that. Why is milk white? (laughs) I see.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, but really, though, why is milk white? Oh, well, so not all... Milk doesn't have to be white. Right. Seal milk is just like... Fucking straight jet fuel. <laughs> well, there, there's the thing where so, some cows ate... There's some grasses that have higher right, carotenoid levels, right, right? Right, right, And carotenoids are orange, and so that can give the milk kind of a yellowy color.
1: So this comes into a conversation we're going to have later, actually. But uh, but okay, so that makes sense.
0: Yeah, so, so, so milk all... can have color. Okay. But you need to have something in there to add the color, some kind of molecule that's colored, right? Right. Otherwise, yeah, milk is white, and that's largely because... The nano and micro particles that are just kind of hanging out there. Yeah. They reflect all of the light coming at them. Oh, okay, cool. And when you reflect all the light, you make something look just opaque and white. So, like... If you want to achieve sunscreen, you just put milk all over you, right? <laughs> well, but like when people put on like the zinc oxide sunscreen, that's just like white shit that they're putting on, right? right. Same idea. Baby. There we go. Yeah. Milk's cheaper though. <laughs> <laughs> it might be. It might be. It might be. be, cheaper, it yeah. might be. Uh, okay, all right. Let's, let's make... take a break. Yeah, yeah. And then when we come back, let's talk about curds and whey, baby. Oh, I love whey. <laughs> My name is Tyler Jerry.
1: And I'm here to tell you about my new podcast. I'm bored, and I've got nothing to do. Listen to me ramble about random garbage. I'll have on friends you don't know and don't care about. I'll review Bollywood movies and anything, I really mean anything, that Adam Driver's in. Occasionally, I'll do that thing where I'll off-handedly refer to a conspiracy theory. And you'll be like, wait... Did Tyler Jerry just say that Bill Gates made the earth flat? I did. That's my right as a proud pervert on my own podcast. I know what you're gonna say. Tyler, why make a podcast that no one's gonna listen to? I knew you were gonna say that. Because my cat, he already told me. That's right, Elton. He started to talk about two months into the pandemic. He wouldn't stop talking, telling me all sorts of crazy things. He stopped now. Because I killed him. Locked him in the attic. Till the talking stopped. Now I'm the only one who talks into my computer for my podcast. So wait and review my new podcast. Tyler Jerry's I'm Bored and I've Got Nothing to Do. Okay, so in, in college... I had a buddy who was always whip like, whey powder. Yeah. And, and I swear to God, the only interaction I had with it is that the liquid he drank looked kind of gross. And I would say, whey. And, and, and besides that, I literally never knew what it hey was. Yeah. Except that whey had a lot of protein in it. This is very exciting to me because curds too. I was like, I used to eat poutine and sure. like, between protein, curds, and whey, I had no
0: clue what was going on. You're, you're learning a lot right now. I am. So, yeah. elucidate all these subjects also for the listener, Sean. Yeah, so milk has two main kinds of protein casein, which we talked about. They make the micelles for the calcium, all that stuff, and lactalbumin. <laughs> What's so funny about lactalbumin? <laughs> Ignore me, keep going. Keep going. Lactalbumin. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I just, no, just keep going, keep going.
0: (laughs) Which is whey protein. Whey protein. Very sexy. So if you treat milk one of a few different ways, what happens is the casein micelles will get all fucked up and they'll clump together. Cool. And when they clump together, they'll form these big chunks of stuff that looks kind of like you seriously fucked up your milk. I saw that in a YouTube video. Okay. Because your milk, a lot of the liquids will suddenly turn kind of like suspiciously clear. Right. And kind of yellow. Right. And then you'll have clumps of white shit floating around. Right. It's like makoli that you haven't mixed yeah, yet. Yeah. And you'll be like, ah, oh, I fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> and that chunky stuff is what we call curds. Oh. And it's basically aggregated casein protein.
1: Okay. So when I'm eating some poutine and they're giving me some, some curds and shit, how did they get from that clumpy stuff at the top of milk to the thing that I'm eating? Is it like literally nothing changes? They just don't treat it? And they just throw it in like a little
0: little container from... Ship? Yeah, lots of times they'll cut it up into smaller bits, mm. and usually they salt it. Right. So usually curds get salted at some point. Okay. Well, that's pretty cool. And you know, every once in a while, well, we'll get into okay, all. Okay, so that's kinds the something. curds. What about the whey? Yeah. So the whey protein or the lactalbumin. So the <laughs> the whey protein yeah. okay. is very soluble in water. Okay. And so it just keeps hanging out in the water. Okay. Yeah. So sometimes a little bit of it can get stuck in the curds. Because the casein micelles will kind of glom together. We'll get and stuck. Some, some stuff can get stuck in Okay. There. What, what gets stuck in there, Sean? The lactalbumin. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking pervert. So? <laughs> with your boomins, Those big chunks, the curds, they're what you form your cheese out of. And ultimately, the reason why they're forming is because you're destabilizing those casein micelles. <laughs> so, there are multiple ways... To fuck up the casein micelles so that they form curds. Okay, cool. So let's talk about a few of them. Okay. Okay. So one of them is adding some kind of acid. Okay. Okay. And what the acid does is it lowers the pH of the milk. And when you do that, you change the surface charge, the electrical charge of the casein micelles. That's cool. Casein micelles are normally negatively charged. And when things are... Any particular charge? They usually don't attract each other, right? right? Like the same charges kind of oppose each
1: other, right? Whereas, like you're a scientist, I'm an artiste so we're just naturally attracted. Of course, right?
0: Yes, and yeah, and I'm definitely the negative charge. <laughs> 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 the key that people know that I'm the Pichu. <laughs> and so, oh wow, nice. yeah, yeah. And so as the pH lowers, what happens with the casein is that it actually gets I'm a hot little rat. <laughs> <laughs> is that it gets less and less negative. Okay, okay. And more and more neutrally charged. Okay. When that happens, there's... We're kissing more. Yeah, there's less that's keeping them repelled from each other. Right. And so sometimes they can kind of get stuck together and everything. Very sexy. It's like when Harry met Sally...
1: Uh, People who seem funny, but are actually kind of boring and banal, (laughs) neutrally charged, they slowly glob together over the course of 20 years in a Rob Reiner film. Of course. That makes sense. You need to pour a lot of acid on it. (laughs) That's that's (laughs) Billy Crystal talking. That's the acid. Uh, Okay, that's cool. And just to be sure everyone's on the same page, let's imagine it's like a big vat of milk. We just poured in a bunch of whatever, like this liquid, whatever, like an acid. Yeah. Okay, and then curds are starting to form because yeah. we've
0: changed the charge. You can use like lemon juice or vinegar. Oh, that's cool. Okay. Those are acidic Is, enough. Is there like a cheese that
1: people do still do that for? Sure. Sure. Okay. Uh, Paneer. I'll fuck my ass and call me a bitch. Paneer's a cheese. And, uh,. <laughs> What? <laughs> what did you think paneer was?
0: Okay, well, now that I've said it out loud. I thought
1: it was tofu. I don't know. <laughs> no, paneer is cheese.
0: Uh, queso fresco is another example. Okay, that shit's good, um, too. And basically, uh, so I, I've made paneer at home. Right. You take milk. You fucking toss in some acid. Right. Shit starts going wrong in the milk. Basically. <laughs> you know what I mean? You start getting clumps of shit. It looks like you really fucked it up. Do you also keep the hue? Uh So... You No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I did not keep the hué. But we'll talk about what you can use the hué for uh, a little bit later. But in any case. Okay, so you put acid in. That's one option. Right. Changes the charge. And that is a way to make cheese. Okay, cool. So And usually they're called like a like farmer cheese or farmhouse cheese or something Because it's like, like podunk. That. And you use it really fast. Right? right. It's like you make it, you use it the same day. There's no culturing, there's no bacteria, no mold, none of that fancy shit. Why? Like, why don't you do those kinds of things? Yeah, like, could you? Like, could you hypothetically cure, like, or, you know, whatever? Yeah, you can. You can. And, you know, to a certain extent, if you were to, like, spray a mold all over it or something like that, yeah, that might not be that different from a brie or something. Okay. In that the cheeses that are inside of a brie before it finishes getting made mm-hmm. is kind of similar in texture to a farmhouse cheese. Right. But there's another way to get acid in there, besides just dumping in acid. Okay. And that's to add bacteria in. Okay, cool. And so there are a lot of bacteria that like to eat lactose. Yeah. And lactose is the main sugar in milk. And when they eat the lactose, a lot of times what they turn it into is lactic acid. Sexy. And lactic acid is an acid. Right. So it acidifies the milk and does the same kind of thing. Okay. And so you can... Just put the bacteria in, let them do their thing, it'll get pretty acidy in there, right. and then you'll have curd form, and you can make cheese out of that. Hey, let me fuck your ass for a second.
1: Okay. Okay, so, you know, I know in America, we pasteurize a lot of the milk that we use. Yes. And so then you gotta add bacteria. I mean, most places do add bacteria. They don't do, like, whatever weird-ass lemon juice shit. Yes. Um, but in, like, you know, one of the things that makes Parmigiano-Reggiano... I went from a fucking documentary that makes it so cool is that you don't have to add bacteria necessarily using raw milk. And the whole point of why it's made in those regions is because you have a few bacteria that naturally occur that you're trying to like, you want to stay in that fucking cow stomach, come out of that fucking udder. And like it propagates naturally in the raw milk. Yes. That's super cool. Yes. Um, this is where I was going to get, I love a lot of cheeses all yeah. the way from fucking like smoked Gouda to Velveeta. Okay. Parmesan is gross. What? Parmesan is disgusting. Parmigiano Reggiano. Oh, I see. Is the only thing to eat. I see. And I like. I'm very low class about a lot of the things. Substitute anything, you know. Parmigiano
0: Reggiano. First time I had that, opened my fucking eyes, dude. Parmesan's dog shit. I I will say that the imitation Parmesan. Right. Yeah. The, the thing that we... Well, because in the U.S. we call it Parmesan. Right. Right. Parmesan can mean a lot of things. Right. Somebody can say Parmesan, and if you're at a fancy restaurant, what they might be using is Parmesan reggiano Yeah. Right? But a lot of times it's just dog shit sawdust. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And... Parmigiano-Reggiano is, like, the king of cheese. It's kind of incredible. Right? It's the biggest differential in quality of,
1: like, things. <laughs> it's weird because, you know, I sous vide a lot of meat. Dude, I like a lot of choice cuts. Sure. You know, prime's good. Sure. I've had... One time I had Wagyu. It was actually too much. It was, like, butter, and it, like, made me a little sick. Yeah, okay. But, like, I mean, I'm sure there's a great sushi way to cut it. But, like, dude,
0: parm versus Parmigiano-Reggiano is, like, yeah. fucking fuck parm. Yeah. It's a pretty stark difference. It's not the only difference in... Type that comes up with cheeses. For right. example, Munster cheese and Munster cheese, <laughs> uh, where one of them has a UE and the other one is just U, mm. like the German place, right. Right? right? Those are two fucking hugely different cheeses, really. Because Munster cheese U.S. style, yeah, is like the most innocuous cheese ever, right? right? It's got like almost no flavor, right? It's very melty, and that's nice, right? But like almost nothing else going on, yeah monster cheese german style is a washed rind extremely stinky cheese right yeah. it is fucking huge it's incredible how different it is important mistake not to make yeah hard you know
1: mozzarella is kind of another thing there's like a lot of italian cheeses that have imitations in america for a very understandable reasons that like a good mozzarella or good burrata is so much sexier than like an imitation version of it parm too. I don't know about Grana Padano. I don't even really like Grana Padano much. But like, (laughs) (laughs) anyway, whatever. Let's keep going. (laughs) Okay. Yeah.
0: So both of those things had to do with acidity, right? Just adding acid, adding bacteria, right? And for most cheeses that aren't farmhouse cheeses, you'll do the bacteria part. Yeah. But the bacteria curding situation, a lot of times that's called ripening or culturing the milk. Right. Okay. That's usually not the final step to make really big curds. Right. And what you usually do is you add rennet. Okay. What the fuck is a rennet? Yeah, so rennet is an enzyme mixture. And it's a bunch of enzymes that you find in young ruminant stomachs. Okay. Usually cow. Usually their fourth stomach. Right. Usually veal. Do we have a pleasant way to get that out of them? Or (laughs) do we have a naughty way? Right. So when we kill young cow's To be veal, we take their stomachs and we get rennet out of it. That's interesting. So this is one of those... So, like, if you're a vegetarian
1: and you're still eating cheese, you might still be very well killing veal.
0: Yes, unless... Unless? So there's a couple of side options. Okay, so vegetarians are aware of this issue. Oh, okay. Not the ones I know. (laughs) (laughs) So one potential option to not use rennet from a ruminant is to use biotechnology... Nice, sexy. Renet is a collection of enzymes, but there's one main enzyme that does most of the work. Okay, cool. Uh, it's called Regeneron. <laughs> oh, okay. Chemosin. Okay. Or sometimes renin after rennet. Okay. And chemosin, we know what that protein is. You can grow that in like yeast in a vat. Okay. Cool. And then get a shitload of chemosin that way. So you wouldn't have all the other sexy enzymes,
1: which maybe would mean your cheese wouldn't be quite the same as some other fucking fancy ass French cheese,
0: but you can make like a decent cheddar or something. I don't know. Yeah, so. Some cheeses are very particular about the kind of rennet that they use. Right. It's like uh, the whole reason the EU was made to, like, regulate cheese production across Europe. (laughs) Yeah, but, okay, so Pecorino Romano, for example.
1: Ah, fuck me, dude. Like, really specifically uses lamb rennet. And that wasn't even... At first, when they meant lamb, they meant Christians. You (laughs) had to take (laughs) enzymes from a Christian (laughs) stomach. I
0: mean, it was right outside of Rome, right? So it was like, there's lots of Christians to kill there. There's a lot. (laughs) Anyway, so they had a very specific rennet in mind, right? Yeah. And so, for that kind of thing, you can't just be like, oh, well, chemosin' chemosin, like, who gives a shit? Yeah. They must have some kind of reason why they're being so particular about There's it. There's a t-shirt that says that somewhere. <laughs>
1: chemosin's chemosin! <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, so, in some places, they really care about the source of the rennet, but yeah. for a lot of cheeses, I don't think that the other enzymes do that much okay. to really actually affect the flavor of the cheese. Okay. There's so many other things that we do to process cheese. I don't think... That the rennet chemosin variable mm-hmm. is the big one involved here. There's so, so many fucking other things people do to So choose. we mostly kill veal for fun <laughs> and happen to also <laughs> use their fourth stomach for things. Yes. <laughs> that, so that's, that's that's one thing. So there is an additional option. Yeah. Okay. In that some vegetarians choose kind of rennet alternatives. Enzymes that are not chemosin ah. that you can get in things like artichokes or uh, what were they called? nestles thistles now you're trying to make me mad <laughs> some kind of some kind of uh you know fucking plant-based enzyme but so what does the chemosin actually do though right yeah so we've established okay you have some acidity going on and pretty much all the cheeses have some kind of acid step before the rennet part sexy okay Sometimes it's not that much acid. You'll put the bacteria in. You'll give them like 15 minutes or something. Just like barely get going. Okay. And then you'll toss the rennet in. Right. But what the rennet does is it goes up to the casein micelles. Yeah. And the casein micelles got those little the hairs. Little hairs. Out, yeah. And the chemosin just cuts the hairs off. Oh, shit. And without the hairs to kind of protect the micelles, they all, all just, they glob together real fucking Globbing. fast. Okay. Yeah. And they make a huge amount of curds just like all of a sudden coming out there. Very cool. Let's take a break. Yeah. And then when we come back, let's talk about what's going on inside the cheese and the things like the texture, the rind of the cheese, all of that stuff. Ooh, poppy. The following is an actual advertisement.
1: Hey, friends and potential lovers. Have you ever felt so passionately after watching a TV show or a movie, but not have a pal to share it with?
0: Allow us the honour of keeping you company with our weekly podcast for your reference with your hosts, Katie and OT.
1: Each episode, we break down our hot takes that you'll either ardently agree or vehemently disagree with. Like subs versus dubs.
0: How important is a cohesive narrative?
1: What's with the popularity of the relatable villain?
0: Is it possible to be truly objective in spite of your own experiences?
1: And most importantly, are you getting a clue and which direction is it pointing?
0: Come on now, it's pointing towards for your reference.
1: That's a great reference. If you've got a little room in your rotation for some salacious frivolity, check out for your reference wherever you listen to podcasts. So Sean... Tell me about all that protein from
0: all that casein. So one of the main things in cheese is protein. Brotein. Okay. I'm going to sound really stupid. Yep. Like, like I'm going to sound really stupid. Go for it.
1: So when I eat cheese, I'm eating protein? Oh, yeah. So I don't need to, like, I need to drink quay. I can just eat cheese. Cheese is a big source of protein. Dude. <laughs>
0: Dude, mind blown. I thought cheese was, like, 100% fat. Uh, no. Which so so I'm when to. When we get to the next episode, there was a listener question... That was a little tongue-in-cheek that was like, can I just only eat cheese? You yeah. know what I mean? And uh, I'll talk about why it's probably not great for well, you. Was it just
1: like a really nerdy
0: listener? How'd
1: you do that voice?
0: I don't know why. I
1: did. <laughs> well, I, so, I, I, we love you listeners. It was Vikram. Oh, it's Vikram.
0: <laughs> the Vikram doesn't sound like that. Yeah,
1: he's kind of got a sexy voice. He's got a
0: great voice. Yeah. And he has a great podcast, Planthropology. That fucked that guy. If you want to learn about plant shit. Yeah. Anyway. I want to learn about Vikram. <laughs> Get the plant shit out of the way. I want Vikramology, baby. He's very cute. Oh, um, Okay. Wait, really? He's married. Is he handsome? He's a good looking dude. Where's the photo? I'll show you. We'll figure this out I'll later. show you. Don't, yeah, don't worry we'll about do it. We'll do this later. This is an audio medium. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm here, though. <laughs> okay. I've got eyes. All right. So, yeah, there's a lot of protein in there. Okay? And in fact, when, when you know about what cheese is formed from, yeah. right, it makes a lot of sense that there's protein because it sure. is literally just congealed protein clumps Gross. of those casein micelles. Right, right. Yeah. yeah it and so, matter. really, the two main things in there are protein and calcium. That's right. like the main thing that curds are. That's interesting. And then all the other stuff that's in cheese is there because when those clumps are forming, other shit got trapped. Yeah. Right? And so that does include fat globules yeah. for sure. Yeah. And different cheeses have different amounts of fat. Yeah. Some of them are very fatty. Right. Nazis trying to get the the chalice of immortality. You know what I'm talking
1: about in the third one? With Sean Connery. <laughs> Yeah. He's named after the dog. <laughs> <You know?
0: laughs> the Nazis who fell down, there in my cheeses. I see. Yeah. Because they're trapped. It was a stretch. Okay. So there is also water in cheese. Yes. And with that water comes some lactose. Yes. Okay. That's actually kind of an important component of a lot of cheeses. Yeah. And depending on how long you age the cheese for, more and more of that lactose gets turned into lactic acid. And that can actually really significantly contribute to the flavor. Why does that make the cheese milder? Well, it makes it less sweet. Okay. Okay. So if you get rid of lactose, yeah. then there's less of it to turn into lactic acid. Mm-hmm. That makes a cheese milder. Okay. So for example, um, Colby. Yeah. Cheese, right? Yeah. Pretty mild cheese. right? Right. It's made initially in a kind of similar way to cheddar. Okay. Okay. But as opposed to cheddar, the curds get washed with fresh water. before you make the cheese. And when you wash them with fresh water, you're washing away some of the lactose that might be around. Okay. And so so that's one of the reasons why Colby is less flavorful than cheddar is. Yeah. It's dog shit. (laughs) So personally, I don't think that Colby's that interesting. Yeah, it's a thoroughly mediocre cheese that you shouldn't spend money on. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I buy it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if people came for our cheese opinions, but yeah, that's, we, we got some. Well, they shouldn't listen to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's called cheese. <laughs> so lactose can get turned into lactic acid by bacteria that's okay. there from when you put the bacteria in the milk. That's cool. Okay. And then that lactic acid can actually get turned into other stuff further if you leave it for long enough. So okay. you can actually get more and more flavor evolution the longer that these bacteria have a chance to kind of make shit out of the things that are hanging around. Cool. And so that's one of the reasons why more aged cheeses have more complex flavor. Right. It's like more byproduct and poop. Yeah.
1: From crazy shit happening. Yeah. 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 It's like you can imagine like a Colby Jack is like a hotel room when it's just like someone's just cleaned it. You just made the building. And then like fucking cave age Comte or Gruyere. Is like after 10 years of Gerard Depatio's being in there, right? It's like, it's like
0: a lot the, of byproducts. The lactose is like the cocaine that you have in the hotel room. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. the more you have, the wilder the hotel room gets. And then bring in one of those black
1: lights. <laughs> and like, there's so many acids and yeah. so many byproducts. It just
0: gets, that's an old KVH cheese. Sure. And the lactose is not the only thing that gets broken down. The protein, the actual casein gets broken down as well. Again, okay, that's actually a really important component of making a lot of flavors too. Cause yeah. protein itself is not particularly flavorful. Right. Like if you were to just take like an uncooked steak of ahi tuna or something like that, yeah. And no seasoning on it or anything, like yeah. honestly, there's not much flavor there. Right. Okay. So protein itself, not very flavorful. Amino acids have a lot of flavor. Right. Like glutamate, for example, is MSG. It is the umami flavor. Right. So that's an amino acid. You only get to that if you start breaking down the you protein. Yeah, denature those bitches. Right, right. Exactly. And, and start cutting them to pieces. Why are amino acids so much tastier than protein? Like, why do
1: we detect the amino acids more yeah. than protein? Yeah. It suggests uh, some sort of intelligent design,
0: does it not? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I think part of that might be an accessibility thing. In okay. that, like, if there's something with free amino acids floating around, right. that's, like, even more attractive. Right, chug, 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 baby, I could use that. Yeah, because you yeah. can use it pretty much right away. You don't have to break down the protein yourself. It's right. already ready to go. Right, Right, that's cool. So I think that's maybe one reason. Okay, so... Some cheeses, like we said for the Colby, right? Some curds are washed with water to get rid of that lactose. Yeah. Some cheeses are soaked in a brine solution. Right. And that gets a lot of salt in there, right? That can add to some interesting flavors. You can have cream added to the milk before you make the curd part. Yeah. This and is what they call thick-ass brie. Yeah, It's the most popular brie during the Baroque period. <laughs> <laughs> ruben just yeah, like yeah. rooms and rubenese brie yeah. <laughs> uh yeah so double cream triple cream these are Did i say rubenese yes <laughs> it's okay <laughs> it's, it's a...
1: I, I like so to think... japanese ruben <laughs> i like to think there's a few <laughs> rubenese uh, we must uh, we must get the embargo on Nabo. <laughs> I I, I like, man, that was a lot of free association. I like to think there's three listeners who heard me say Rubenese and they're like, ha, what a fool. Knows nothing of Baroque art. Anyway.
0: Keep telling you Rubenese babe Where was I? Oh, yeah. So when you add the cream to the milk before you make the cheese, you're increasing the fat content. And that yeah. means that your cheeses are going to have more of the fat kind of trapped in the curd. That's cool. And so you're going to have a creamier cheese, more fat in it. Right?
1: And triple cream brie. I mean, to, I cut you off, but like, that's a good example.
0: Yes. Very delicious yeah okay and so actually you know when we were talking about like the bacteria they can break down the protein and everything that's actually where you get a lot of the crystals that can form right. inside and of like cheese. a really sexy cheddar or like a gouda or something right and swiss cheese all sorts these of yeah, yeah yeah uh parmesan par Parmigiana.
1: yeah a good parmigiano
0: yeah it's like fucking 90 percent crystal right it's like and, crystal meth and, and, and a lot of those crystals are calcium lactate right okay which is uh, the calcium binding to lactic acid and forming these crystals? Those are pretty tasty, yeah. but the ones that are super fucking flavorful are tyrosine crystals. Right. And tyrosine is am- an amino acid. Yeah. It can kind of help glutamate bind to the receptors in your tongue, and so it makes it super umami. Yeah. Very tasty.
1: Tyrosine sounds like... Um, oh my god, what's his name? Sean. Fifth Element. Who's the director who did Fifth Element? Yeah, the French dude. Luc Besson. Yeah. Tyrazine sounds like a black character in a Luc Besson film. Right? <laughs> yeah. It's like Chris Tucker plays Tyrazine. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you know. Also, Tyrazine sounds like one of the things mined with unobtainium in Avatar. Yeah. It's like unobtainium, no 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 bullshitium, and like Tyrazine. Yeah,
0: well, tyrosine's an actual thing though. So. <laughs> <laughs> it all falls apart. So you could,
1: you could mine that out of cheese. That's good <laughs> enough cheese. Yeah, you know, cheese having crystals and stuff was actually not something I really experienced until much later in life. Because I mostly grew up with like your more traditional American sharp cheddar and like American cheese or even Velveeta, which I don't want to knock any of that stuff. It's just delicious. But then like you get a cheese that's got some crystal in it, and it's just like, do pop rock
0: and right off on your mouth, bro. Like it's
1: like, what is that? It was so cool when I first yeah. had
0: that. Yeah. Very delicious. It's delicious! Yeah. And so, let's segue on crystals into texture. Okay, okay, sexy. And so, yeah, some of these cheeses, you were talking about them, right? The Parm, the Swiss. Pecorino. These guys can have these right. sexy tyrosine crystals in there. Right, they're usually inside the cheeses. You can also the same kind of process where bacteria are eating shit and pooping stuff out. Yeah. one of the things they can poop out is carbon dioxide. A lot of times, that's where you get like a, the holes in cheese. Oh. It's from really active bacteria pooping. That was a big dioxide. old worm. <laughs> a Swiss worm. Go do that big old Swiss cheese. So you know you can have crystals in there, but a lot of times cheeses. The textures break down into kind of a dichotomy between soft and hard cheeses. Right,
1: ricotta and paneer
0: versus, um, you know, something hard. Pecorino. Yeah. And cheddar, for example, is something called like a semi-hard cheese. Right. Okay, so a little bit on the hard side. But, you know, the breeze and everything like that are pretty soft. Right. So there's kind of two ways to get soft cheeses, okay? One of them is to kind of just take the curds. And then use the curds really quickly. Right. Mush them. And that's ricotta and paneer. Right. The other option is to take the curds, you know, get them nice and squished in so that they're kind of a solid brick and everything like that. So they're kind of, at that point, sort of hard. Right. This is the more difficult way to do it. Yeah. Very popular in
1: Europe. Yeah. Fancy. Is to let them over time fucking get broke down in
0: the middle. Right. And Mm. so what you do is you take that kind of brick and you coat the surface with a fungus. I like it. And that fungus over time has its little digestive enzymes that it's using to help break down the cheese. Right. And that breaking down process makes the inside kind of this nice creamy soft texture. And that's like the camembert, the brie, right? That white stuff on the outside of your brie is the fungus. Fungus is amazing. It's the mold and yeah. that, that shit is working on and it's okay to eat. It's okay to eat that mold. Right, You're not eating enough of it for it to be bad for you.
1: Right. Oh, so if you did eat enough of it, like if you ate only the outside of a brie, eventually it would be bad for you?
0: Probably, yes. Oh, wow. Yeah. So they're part of the uh, penicillium genus. I love penicillin. Yeah. Yeah. It is the same genus of molds that make penicillin, but it's also the same genus of mold that ruins a lot of food by creating what are called mycotoxins. Uh. And mycotoxins can make you sick. To the point of dying. Well, that makes sense. I mean, because like you're kind of ruining the milk,
1: in like some sense, right? Like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you
0: know. So the thing though is that these particular penicillium species mm-hmm. don't make very much mycotoxins. Oh, interesting. And you're not using that much of it, right? Yeah. It's kind of like this nice thin coating on the outside, right? And in a certain sense, having that coating there kind of a lot of times prevents the growth of other potential molds. Right. And those ones might be more dangerous. Okay. Okay. So we'll get more into the mold actually into the second episode. But the point is that mold, it can break things down. It can make it soft all over again. Right. So one way to make it soft is for it to always be soft. The other way is have the mold help you make it soft. Okay. How about those semi-hard half chub cheeses like cheddar? Right. So some of them are pressed. Okay. Okay. So cheddar is actually made through a specific process called cheddaring. Yeah. Which is you take bricks of the curds. And you stack them on top of each other, like you're building a wall made out of cheese. And then over time, the weight from the cheddar bricks will press on one another. And pushing on the cheese kind of squeezes out more of the whey. Different cheeses, you take the curds and you push them. Yeah. You squeeze them. Yes. Okay. And some of the cheeses, you just squeeze them for like a brief amount of time. Right. Gouda. Colby, you mm. usually just squeeze them for a little but bit. But some of them, you squeeze that bitch long, right? You squeeze big cheddar. Yes. Cheddar gets squeezed for a long time. Mm. And it gets like turned yeah, and shit like that. If you're in squeezing caves, a double gloucester bitch, you squeeze that <laughs> God, cheddar long. I can't believe you're still doing this. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, and then some other cheeses are heated up in order to remove more of that water, that whey, that lactose. Right. And so Swiss parm. Uh, Swiss is actually a cheese that's both heated and pressed. Yeah. Parm is heated but it's not pressed. So right. after the heating process you take all those curds, you put them into basically a cylinder to help make that kind of big round parm kind of shape. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, parm disc. In fucking
1: thing. in fucking Italian fucking Emiliano-resiano baby uh in Italy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, apparently they just do that with a loin cloth. Sure. It's like in the water, and they kind of loincloth it. Um, those are some buff dudes, because those are some fat fucking curd balls now. Yeah. You know, an Italian man, he loves thick curd balls. So <laughs> he's just pressing
0: them, right? He's just, ah! He's getting all of everything out of that curd ball. So then also, another thing you can do to your curds yeah? is you can do something called pulling them. You can pull a ball, bro. Yeah, you can. <laughs> Tell me about it. Okay, so some cheeses are pulled cheeses, and what you do is you take the curds, you warm them up in some hot water until they're starting to get kind of gooey and kind of molten. Yeah, I, you know, I have seen people make mozzarella like that. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So then you take that, and then you're basically kind of stretching out the mozzarella and folding it. It almost looks like you're kneading bread, kind of, or stretching yeah. out noodles or some kind of shit. You're, like, stretching it. Right. Mm. And that definitely changes the texture from, you know, like... Paneer has a particular kind of almost crumbly kind of texture, right? Right. Feta has got a certain kind of texture. And it changes it from that into kind of a more silky kind of mozzarella texture. Right. Provolone is another example of a pulled cheese. Interesting. Uh, It's just mozzarella is eaten pretty much fresh. Provolone is usually aged after pulling. Right. Yeah. And so I think pulling helps to like homogenize the texture. It helps to make it kind of even throughout the curd and also probably releases some of the water that's that's in there. So summarize for me, Sean. The ultimate softness of a cheese is the interplay of what factors? Uh, I would say it's age, how much work you did to kind of get all of the water out of there. Yeah. Right? And the fat to protein ratio. Sexy. Okay. So, you know, a lot of that fat and make it real creamy. Do cows, like, in different places have different fat to
1: protein ratios? Yeah. Is that why cheeses are different in different places? Uh, Well, it's one of, like, eight reasons, actually. Yeah.
0: So, diet... Definitely can change the qualities of milk. Right. The sort of subspecies, the breed of cattle, can right. also change the qualities of milk. And this is where pasteurizing versus raw
1: kind of matters, is like, in some places, the bacteria you want are in the ecosystem.
0: Sure, sure. So I mean, there's, there's a whole bacteria raw. thing, but also like Jersey cows, for example. Yeah?
1: Which is a particular kind oh, of Oh, right, cow. like the English breed of cow. Right, right. I like literally first thought the Pine
0: Barrens. Yeah. Like, I thought Guido cows. Jersey cows. Yeah. Yeah. Jersey, Guido cows <laughs> yeah. have a comparatively very high fat content. Sexy. When you compare it to just like other cattle. I, I think it's like, it's like three times more fat. Wow. So that makes a very big difference mm-hmm. when it comes to the quality of the milk right. and how you use it for cheese and what cheese comes out of that. So, you know, there's big differences that can come from there. You know, it's a big lesson I learned from all this
1: cheese stuff. Just humans have had a lot of time. Yeah. You know, we've been... To
0: try stuff and fuck up and and make new kinds of cow and all kinds of stuff.
1: a lot of time.
0: Yeah. So, let's finish this episode out. Last thing I want to talk about is the rind of the cheese. Okay, sexy. Okay. So, the rind is like the exterior surface of the cheese. Always edible for every cheese? No. Oh, really? Not always edible. Okay. Okay. Uh, Some rinds... Are super edible, okay, like brie and stuff like that. You're just gonna cut through that rind, right? It's that white stuff on the surface. That's just mold. Who gives a shit? You're right. gonna eat it, and it just happens to be a,
1: a safe mold to eat again because it doesn't produce as many toxins as like, right mycotoxins. Right. Yeah.
0: But some cheeses, the rind is a wax right. or a plastic kind of surface that, and that's put actually on. been added, right? Like yeah. a humans put it on there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right, right. That's like full blown not edible. Right, and then in other cases, the cheese has been repeatedly salted. And certain kinds of mold have grown, but the repeated salting and mold growth and everything like that has made a very hard rind. Yeah, and it's just not pleasant to eat. It doesn't really add very much flavor. Right. For example, Armagiana Reggiano. You son of a bitch! That rind. You can cook with it. Hell, fuck you! I cook with it all the time. I make mean, well, my Amatriciana with rind. All right. Yeah, but do you chew on it? Fuck. Yeah. Fuck, no, you.
1: Shit, fuck, me, fuck you, you. Fuck me. Fuck you. Fuck me. Fuck you. fucking hormones. I eat anything. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, Are you Joe
0: Rogan, bro? Are you telling so, me to eat some rind right now, bro? Let's talk about the different kinds of rind, okay? Okay, cool. So there's the natural rind. Since we were just talking about Parmigiano-Reggiano. Yeah, not Parmesan. <laughs> fuck you. That is the natural kind of rind that you can get on there right okay and so you can do certain things to discourage certain kinds of mold growth you can use salt you can use olive oil mm. right so you can rub some olive oil and on ugly italian on stereotype yeah, yeah exactly kind of rub okay it they on have there. other
1: types of oil manchego is yeah.
0: also uh periodically they'll rub olive oil on there yeah and everything it's very sensuous people Southern Europeans. Yes. Those rubbing their cheeses. Rubbing all the time. boiling anything. Cannot stop them. Yeah. And uh, some other places use like lard and shit like that. You can use fats to kind of prevent certain kinds of growth on the surface of your cheese. Yeah. And so it kind of over time develops this hardened kind of rind there. All right. So that's au naturel, baby. Okay, cool. How about wax plastic, bitch? Yeah. So sometimes you don't want to deal with any of that mold shit, right? You're just like, look, I took my curds. I added some salt. Maybe I added some uh, coloring or something like that. Right. I squeezed them down. And now I just want them to, you know, there's bacteria in there. Right. I don't want any external shit. Right. And I just want the bacteria to go to work over time. So you can take Gouda. You can take that whole wheel of early cheese and just dip it in some fucking wax. Right. And then leave it alone for months. Right. And the red color actually reflects mold. (laughs) (laughs)
1: okay but yeah so 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 we don't need that right (laughs) right right don't eat that one okay what about bloomy bitches
0: yeah so bloomy is a certain kind of soft cheese it's the cheeses that have like a white exterior so these are the brie fuckers we're talking about right Right. yeah typified by like brie yeah and that is an exterior white mold so you made like your brick of curd cheese stuff And then you kind of put on the outside this white mold. Still penicillium, Mm. uh, like penicillium camemberti, Right, for for Camelot cheeses. Yeah. Yeah, Jackie
1: Kennedy. Fuck. (laughs) Penicillium. I put those in the notes to remind myself I was going to say Camelot and then Jackie Kennedy. And I saw Jackie Kennedy in the notes, and I couldn't remember. You're like, why did I say that? And I spent the last minute... Like searching my mind, being like, what is the connection
0: between Jackie Kennedy and like fucking bloomy cheeses? When I read that in the notes, I was like, I guess Jackie Kennedy probably liked Brie, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. it, was, it went Camembert, Camelot, Jackie Kennedy. Great. Yeah. I'm glad we did it. Jacqueline Onassis, Venture Brothers, uh, Elron fighting Dr. Venture. Anyway, so that mold on the outside can help break down that cheese. Right. And so you can get more of the umami flavors. I just called Elron Hubbard L. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Keep going. The mold on the outside helps to break down the proteins in that cheese, free up amino acids. You get that umami flavor. Right. right? Okay. Cool. And then there are washed cheeses. These are the best ones. These are fucking stinky cheeses. Right. right. Okay. So if, if you got a cheese and you're like, that cheese is fucked up, somebody did that wrong, in fact, the opposite. They did that they on did purpose. That, right. Super on purpose. Okay. Mm. And so, for most of the other cheeses that we've talked about, one of the big goals is to keep moisture away. Okay. Okay. And that's because a lot of stuff likes growing on things that are wet. Okay. Uh, for example, if you have shredded cheese in your refrigerator and you get water in there, mm. you'll get mold on that shredded cheese really quickly. Okay. Shredded cheese is like super dry for a reason it's to prevent things from growing. Okay. Okay. So, most of the time, you want your cheese to be dry. Some people will take a cheese and then purposefully make it wet. Usually what they'll do is they'll make it salty wet. Okay. okay? So they'll put a liquid brine on it. So it's okay. got a lot of salt. Sometimes it's got some flavor in it. Maybe it's like a beer mixed with salt water. Maybe it's a wine mixed with salt water. Okay. And so that can get other flavors in there. But the main point is to get it wet and salty. And what that does is it lets certain kinds of bacteria grow. Okay, cool. Specifically bacteria that like salty conditions. Right. Halophiles. And there is a particular bacteria that grows a lot of the time on these cheeses called Brevibacterium linens. Okay, Mr. Linens. He makes cheese real tasty but smelly. He makes the foot smell on your feet. As in, when your feet stink, it is because of the same bacteria that people are growing on cheese. Oh, well luckily, I like them on either culture. (laughs) And so these bacteria also can help break down the cheese proteins, get all that good stuff, right? It gets the inside nice and gooey and creamy. So these are very tasty cheeses. They often have extremely complex flavors. Right. Because you have different kinds of bacteria producing really different kinds of compounds. Yeah. So it can be very tasty, but real stink. Right. What are some examples? Yeah, so you can have soft ones and you can have hard ones. Right. And so if you have a soft one, that, that can be like Limburger. Okay. Which used to be way more popular than it is now. Right. And then you can have a Gruyere as a hard one. I like that. So that's actually a hard cheese with a washed exterior.
1: So Sean, I see you having the notes here, uh, Funk-ass, Trappist-monk-ass, monastic bitch-ass, cheese from France, then hungry, then all sorts of fucking funky-ass shit. What does that mean? Yeah, you wrote that. Oh, I did? <laughs> that was you. I've had a couple of miscals. now. That was like
0: stream of consciousness shit at you.
1: Well, just apparently Trappist-monks are the first people who started doing wash rind cheese. It was a monastic oh. thing, right? So it's sometimes known as monastic or Trappist cheese. And apparently it started in France, but then Hungary got really big into it and kind of spread across Europe and eventually to some places in America. I see. Which kind of makes sense about why the wash is sometimes mixed with beer and wine some of our listeners may not know, is monks are drunk-ass bitches. Yes. And so, like, you know, some of the best brews and some of the best wine techniques, like champagne or whatever, Belgian ale, come from monasteries.
0: Yeah, and Trappist ales, of course, are extremely famous. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. You know, I think some monk groups kind of swore off meat. Right. And so the idea, you know, I think maybe unconsciously, was to get complex and delicious flavors out of cheeses.
1: Yeah, that plus free time... Yeah. And at a certain point, no one wants to say it. But you get bored of the Bible. <laughs> you gotta do something
0: else. Yeah, yeah. Well, so Limburger, for example, a classic soft wash cheese, is spread on rye bread, classically. That's the, mm. the main way that you eat it. All classic monk shit. Yeah, and no other meat in there, right? right. Like, it would be a sandwich of cheese and bread right but it had so much flavor and shit going on and lots of protein because it's cheese right and so that was kind of part of their diet and yeah everything. good point nathan yeah i mean we
1: could do a whole episode just on monks <laughs> a lot of science
0: <laughs> the science of monks.
1: yeah i mean monks are really important for developing a lot of sciences and all sorts of fields and they the, their bodies are themselves
0: the site of very interesting sciences Wow. Yes. Yeah, maybe you can handle the section on monk bars. <laughs> I handle them all the time. All right. So that's the end of this episode. Next episode, we actually have a shitload of questions from people that yeah. asked me stuff on Twitter about cheeses. Yeah. Little did he you know, cheese, huge topic. Yeah. So we're going to do a lot more. People like it. And so we have plenty of questions to answer on that and enough to fill up an episode. And we will talk about that next time. Yeah. Although, hell. You guys listen to this. Have some more questions, man, send them over. Yeah, we might have time. We them. might. Yeah. So let's say thank you to Stacy Song, our Sound Lord and Engineer.
1: Go up to me guy.
0: Thank you to Brian Allen for our artwork. And thank you for Griffin for all your love and support. <laughs> and then uh, thank you guys.
1: Go on our Twitter or email Sean.
0: Yeah, Twitter at Dish Podcast, email pod at gmail.com. Go to Patreon and support us. Patreon.com slash Petridish. Mm. And we will see you all next time for more cheesy goodness.
1: Mm-mm. Mm. <laughs>